0: Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our topic this this hour is essential oils as an evolutionary tool. Essential oils and aromatherapy may seem to be a relatively obscure concept when discussing evolution, but upon taking a deeper look, they may hold some very beneficial properties. Our ability to evolve is impacted by the health and balance of our physical form. Can essential oils help fine tune the evolutionary body? With us this hour to explore the world of aromatherapy is Amy Galper. Amy is the author of The Ultimate Guide to Aromatherapy and co author of the best selling book Plant Powered Beauty. She's the founder of the New York Institute of Aromatherapy and has been a certified aromatherapist since 2001. Her website, amygalper.com. Amy, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Guilda. I'm happy to be here.
0: I think we should have a wonderful time with this topic. It's uh, A lot of people don't know a whole bunch about it, and yet it's pretty profound, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, what's your education in essential oils?
1: Well, I started using essential oils on my own about, I don't know, about over 20 years ago, almost 25 years ago. And then I went and got training as a certified um, aromatherapist back in 2000, uh, from 1999 to 2001.
0: Mm-hmm. So how, do, how does one get certified in aromatherapy? What does the certification mean?
1: Certification basically means that you've gone to a school or an, you know a training place that that their uh, educational curriculum has been approved by the National Association of Holistic Aromatherapy or the Alliance of International Aromatherapists or any other professional association that has set forth the educational standards to become an aromatherapist. Aromatherapy isn't a licensed profession like massage or chiropractic or or, um, other kinds of uh, alternative uh, care modalities, many of which are not licensed by the state, but they hold what's called a a certification, which is often, um, you know, uh, looked over and kind of uh, approved by the professional associations. It's really up to them to set forth the educational standards.
0: Can a person claim to certify people
1: without being accredited by these boards? Absolutely not that you really should have your curriculum and your school and your program, uh, approved by any of these kind of professional associations. And there are several that are international, like there's one in the UK, there's one in Australia, there's one in Japan. And, um, All of these um, associations, one in Canada, they're all internationally recognized. So as long as someone is a uh, professional member of one of these professional associations, then you know that you are working with someone that has had the right education. It works very similarly to a yoga teacher, for example. You want to make sure that whatever yoga class you're going to, that your yoga teacher has been trained, right? And their training has been approved by the professional association.
0: Yes, I, I think the <clears throat> you were touching in on the point that I was making is that because they're not regulated, people can claim to be certified and it's up to the buyer beware <laughs> to look into where were they certified and were these people accredited by one of these associations. Is that correct? Correct. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So would you mind defining um, aromatherapy? What What is it exactly?
1: Aromatherapy is a complementary and alternative care modality that uses essential oils to help balance mind, body, and spirit so we can live our healthiest and most, most natural life.
0: And <laughs> which leads us to what exactly are essential oils?
1: Essential oils are actually the liquid extracts, from aromatic plants. So all plants actually manufacture all sorts of different phytochemicals. And when you work with an herbalist, for example, where they're making tinctures and different teas, what they're doing is they're gathering all of that plant material and they're extracting a group of phytochemicals like tannins, flavonoids, alkaloids, all of those. Um, But an aromatherapist works with a very unique specific group of extracts, which are the aromatic extracts, which are what we know as essential oils. So essential oils are basically uh, the the aroma that has been extracted out of the plant and made into a liquid extract. So it's very alchemical process. In fact, we're taking an invisible scent of vapor and through the process of steam distillation we're taking that vapor that ethereal energy that scent and we are transforming it into physical matter which is the liquid extract an essential oil
0: well it sounds like there's a lot of room for error there <laughs> in other words it sounds like a very delicate process are there some people that make essential oils that um don't do it as well because of, of what's required.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think distilling essential oils is absolutely an art and a science. It takes years to really hone one's skills because there's a lot of different factors, as you guessed, that go into really distilling a really beautiful quality essential oil. One, you need to know when to harvest the plant material, what time of the year those components are going to be their most potent. Two, you need to understand which part of the plant is gonna hold the most amount of essential oils. And three, because the steam distillation process uses heat, you need to understand how to calibrate the heat so it's not too hot and not too cold, but the exact right temperature to be able to release those aromatic molecules.
0: So uh, of course they're coming from living plants. Are you are people when they do it right? Are they able to maintain that aliveness, if you will, by keeping the temperature and, and the procedure appropriate? The,
1: um, they are to a certain degree. Um, you know, obviously, you want to distill the plant material as as quickly as possible from harvesting it when it's really its most fresh. Now, there are exceptions. There's a few essential oils where it's better to distill them when they're semi-dried, like patchouli, for example. But in general, you want to get really fresh plant material. And the reason is, is we want that energetic vibrancy exactly is what you're talking about. We want to be able to capture that as best we can.
0: So, you know, when, you, when we go with the premise that everything expresses according to frequency, do essential oils work through frequency and have different frequencies one from the other?
1: I believe so. I mean, I am t- going to tell you right now, I'm not a very, uh, well-trained in connecting to frequencies or, uh, in that kind of work, energetic work, but there is a very lar- a very big component of, uh, essential oils uh, experience for healing that involves frequency for sure. And the energy, um, I, I've always communicated with my students that I always think of the plant part, As holding a lot of the energetic value. For example, those essential oils that are taken from roots often express and share with us the energy of being grounded or rooted. Those um, uh, essential oils that are extracted from resins, for example, that has a different frequency and energetics than something that would be extracted from the flour. So we definitely consider that when we're extracting the essential oils.
0: So when you're working with essential oils, um does Do they vary from year to year as well as from season to season? Um, I know my original teacher, he was teaching me you know how to work with herbs. He said that the plants you know nature knows what she 's doing and what grows in the plants, the parts that come the constituent parts. Uh, vary from year to year based on what's going to require to balance us each year. Do you see that in essential um, therapy as well? Oh,
1: hundred percent. And because really you have to understand that using essential oils is really coming from the same practice as herbal medicine. We're just extracting a different component from the plant, but all of those kinds of Uh, I don't know, that relationship with the plant, the protocols of harvesting it, the energetic relationship that we have with the plant is very similar to the way that herbalists work with plants. Um, They're extracting just a different group of phytochemicals. Aromatherapists work with one group of phytochemicals, and those are the essential oils.
0: So when, when working with essential oils, I know when, when you're uh, working in Western medicine, Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you take a set of symptoms and find a drug that'll alleviate the symptoms. And interestingly enough, I believe the drugs originally came from plants and then were broken down in their little constituent parts and then synthesized from there. So how does working with essential oils differ from that?
1: Um, differ from than just symptom relief you mean is that mm-hmm. what you're asking and so, breaking
0: things down into uh parts and chemicalizing them
1: exactly so you know the way that I also describe aromatherapy and working with essential oils is one thing about that I think makes them such a powerful healing tool is that in one instance, you can get a truly holistic experience. What I mean by holistic, a complete unification and uh, visceral kind of understanding of mind body. So essential oils provide kind of balance to our emotional, psychological, and spiritual state simultaneously to what they do physiologically to us. So essential oils in their nature are holistic, right? They're treating our whole body. Now, that isn't to say that an essential oil can be enormously effective for symptom relief, like sciatica pain or a headache or a bellyache or whatever it might be. You can totally use an essential oil to help alleviate those symptoms. But where essential oils really, I think, kind of pivot and differ is that in addition to that, because of their more energetic, emotional, spiritual properties, they're also asking us to look at what is causing that imbalance so not only are we trying to alleviate the symptoms but we're really trying to burrow deeper to find out okay what's the cause of that symptom and is that cause coming from an imbalance that maybe we can adjust or recalibrate by using these other parts of the essential oil Um, and i know what you were asking as far as the isolated components and how people look at those, right? And how they see essential oils, correct? Yes. So an essential oil is made up of hundreds of different chemical constituents. As are all plants, right? They're made up of all sorts of fascinating and dynamic and sophisticatedly arranged um, phytochemicals. And when we use an essential oil and we've discovered, wow, lavender makes me sleepy, you know, chemists then start to rub their hands together and say, hmm, why is that? lavender making everyone sleepy. There must be something inside that lavender that makes everybody sleepy. So what do they do? They take that lavender oil, they bring it to the lab, they deconstruct it into all of its different parts, and then they start testing each of these isolated components until they kind of hit the jackpot and realize, wow, it's that molecule that makes everybody sleepy. And then what do they do? They pull out that molecule from the plant and then they try to synthesize it or duplicate it or whatever to help people relax.
0: But but, but isn't mm-hmm. there, um, nature knows what she's doing. isn't? <laughs> aren't all the parts necessary to Provide the balance that the oil uh, can provide versus just making you sleepy.
1: Hundred percent. In fact, all of those chemical, all of those chemical constituents that are so uh, intelligently arranged in this dynamic proportions. They all kind of ebb and flow and work together synergistically. And the reason why the chemists kind of deconstructed it is because they just wanted to understand how it works, right? I mean, that's the basis of chemistry. They take things apart to figure out how they work, right? But what's so fascinating about um, essential oils is that once you start deconstructing them and removing them, all those chemical constituents from their buddies and their friends in the plant, they've noticed they don't work as well, right? They work better.
0: It's kind of of like dissecting a frog. When you're done, (laughs) it's lost its frogginess.
1: 100%. I love that analogy. That's totally right. So what they've discovered is that every single component contributes to the power of the whole experience of the oil, even if it's at a fraction of a percent, right? Or if it's at 60% whatever it is, all of those parts working synergistically contribute to the aromatherapeutic properties.
0: So that's how it manages to work on the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual level at the same time with different constituent parts, but all working together to bring balance to all four. Yes, absolutely. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you know, and like I've heard people say, "Well, I I took lavender because I had a headache, <laughs> but I found that it soothed my stomach, and the stomach issue was from stress. So mm-hmm. th- that's the the taking the oil itself actually helps. If you if you reverse engineer it, you can kind mm-hmm. of look at what you're dealing with by what by what it's taking care of for you, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that is so important about just smelling things and use and really and really experiencing aroma from the essential oils because it invites us to pay attention right i think that there's a lot of truth in that old adage of stop and smell the flowers i really think that when we stop and pay attention to what we're smelling it can reveal to us so many things that are going on with us personally and even you know, w- in relationship to other people, and in and, and relationship to our world.
0: So we're about to come into into the end of this um, segment before we take a quick pause. So we might have to take up with this topic on the other side. However, um, if you're working with essential oils, and they're working on all four levels, how do you know how do you know which oil to
1: use? That's always a good question. Well, I would say number 1, absolutely, you should always choose an oil that smells good to you. Because if you mm. choose an oil that does not smell good to you, it's going to be really hard to make you feel good, right? When we smell something unpleasant, it kind of makes us feel a little stressed. So, we so definitely... is it like
0: is it like we're drawn to what we need by the smell?
1: Yes and no. I mean, I think that the main intention of using aromatics is to relieve and soothe and calm our stress and trigger our parasympathetic nervous system to trigger the relaxation response, which is critical to our wellness and our balance. So if we smell something that's unpleasant, it's not going to trigger that relaxation response, right? We want to trigger that place of relaxation. So whether or not it's what we need, I think where we begin, right, is begin by finding something that triggers our parasympathetic nervous system to rest and restore. Then we might look at oils that have specific affinities for certain issues.
0: Well, we'll have to pick up on those on the other side of the promised break. It will be a short one and Amy and I will return. So please don't go away. This is Mission Evolution, www.MissionEvolution.org. Do you enjoy paranormal sci-fi romance, yet find yourself tired of the same old themes and storylines? Then you won't want to miss Kahira O'Donnell's latest exciting release, To Taste You Again. Alien Lord Kane McKean knew the moment that his destined mate was born. He watched from afar, waiting for her to grow from child to woman. However, before she was old enough, she was stolen from her home world by flesh pirates. Kane searched ten long years to find her held in a suspension chamber, a ten-year-old girl in a woman's body. He rescued her and swore to give her time to grow up, but with his very life depending upon winning her as a mate, has he waited too long? Get your copy today. To Taste You Again by Kahira O'Donnell is now available on Amazon or kahiroodonnell.com. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, MissionEvolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour, discussing aromatherapy, is Amy Galper. Her website, AmyGalper.com. Amy, we were talking about how to tell which aroma, you know, in aromatherapy, which essential oil to use, and you said the first thing was when you, if it smells good to you that if it doesn't, it's probably not going to relax you in the least and maybe cause stress. Um, But there's a lot of oils to smell. If you just go around smelling oils, one, does your smeller quit working? (laughs) And two, you know, is there a way to narrow it down before you, you know, when, when you're looking for them?
1: 100%. And that's why getting educated is so important. I, I'm a really a big believer in getting educated when using any kind of plant medicine. Um, and there is lots of really great information online that you can find these days. And I have, for example, an online Uh, course where I teach people how to use essential oils safely and effectively. But there's lots of information. Of course, my book, The Ultimate Guide of Aromatherapy, obviously, is a great resource. So the first thing I would do is actually try and find a trusted resource, whether it's a book or a teacher a blogger or something where you can just get some beginning guidance about just kind of being able to group or organize the oils like these oils have been shown to be good for muscle relaxation or these groups of oils have been shown to soothe anxiety or these groups of essential oils have been known to soothe Um, digestive distress, et cetera. And then what I would do is, so if let's say I'm someone who suffers from chronic headaches, I would kind of bring together those oils that have been recommended for for pain relief, for uh, stress headaches, et cetera. And maybe I would select a palette of maybe, you know, three to seven different essential oils, and I would smell them each and then figure out which ones I resonate with, like feel relaxing to me. And then I would go to start playing around and using them, maybe putting them in a diffuser, adding them to a massage oil, etc. But I think starting out with just a little bit of education so you can understand, you know, how these oils work is a good place to start so
0: if you're working with them and you say okay i suffer from headaches and here's say five six oils that mm-hmm. that i've you know studied on and looked like they might be options and you smell one and you find it to be the preferable of the five does that stay consistent then you can just say okay i figured out which one's good for my headaches or do you need to recheck because things change
1: You need to recheck because things absolutely change. You know, just like you said, we are living organisms. The oils have an energetic part. We're always constantly changing and ebbing and flowing with our environment. And, you know, we grow and evolve, right? So something that may have smelled beautiful to us four or five months ago may not smell that way to us now just because we're in a different place than we were back then.
0: so if we're talking about evolutionary, um, which of course we are, <laughs> the the you can evolve by finding balance using one oil and then maybe you don't need that correction and it's time to move on to another. Is that what
1: we're looking at? Yeah, I think that that is totally something that you could look at. You know, I think that we can... A move and change. I know for me, I've been using essential oils for 25 years. Now, I have a few constants in my life that just have always grounded me and I've used, but certainly there are other oils that have kind of flown in and flown out and been replaced and moved in. And there were one, you know, a few months where I was just really attached to this one aroma when then six months later, I was more attached to another one. So I definitely believe in that, especially when we're talking about more of the energy and the emotional affinities that we have with the oils. But let's say we're just talking about having a bad cold or we just don't want to get sick, right? There are certain oils that pretty much you can depend on for always supporting your immune system and relieving your congestion. And that is going to be pretty consistent. So there are these kind of consistent oils that definitely have these um, therapeutic actions. But I think when we're talking about emotional, spiritual, psychological balancing and healing, those definitely will ebb and flow throughout our lifetime.
0: So when you're using essential oils, are there some things that you need to know to stay safe? Can they do harm?
1: Uh absolutely. Um, absolutely. There are things you can do to be safe, but not absolutely that they will always hurt you. (laughs) So I like to always start this conversation whenever I talk about essential oil safety, is that essential oils are inherently safe. Okay, there's nothing scary or dangerous about them. We just need to know how to use them. Okay. I mean, this goes with anything in our life, right? Like, for example, A knife, a kitchen knife, right? If we know how to use it correctly to cut our onions, cut our oranges, and use it correctly, it's totally safe. But if we use that knife incorrectly, it can harm us very severely. So it's the same thing. You have to look at essential oils as being this healing tool that there's a right way to use them and a way that isn't right to use them. And so the right way to use them is number one, I think the most profound and safest way to use them is just by smelling them, putting them in a diffuser, adding them to a scented bracelet, a roll-on, a personal inhaler, but just enjoying their aroma, I think is the safest and the easiest and most accessible way to experience their profound effects.
0: The next- But when you, you, I'm sorry, when you say uh, a roll-on, isn't that putting it on your skin? And if so, doesn't it absorb through the skin?
1: Absolutely. So when it's in a roll-on, it is diluted down into what's called a carrier oil. And that is the other way to use an essential oil safely, is by mixing it into what's called a plant oil, which is an oil that is greasy and fatty, like olive oil, coconut oil, almond oil, avocado. You know, we have all of these plant oils, many of which we eat and consume, right? And we want to mix our essential oils into those carriers so then those molecules can be literally carried into our skin safely and affect physiological change. So with the role. Mm-hmm.
0: Can can the oils just use neat, if you will, can they be a little hot on the skin? Is that why you use the carrier? Yes,
1: absolutely. And I just always like to err on the side of caution because especially since I teach all my classes virtually and communicate with people that way, you know, I can't see them right in front of me and see what their skin type is, if they're overly sensitive or if they have delicate skin or not. So I always say before you put you know, any essential oil on you, make sure you dilute it down in a carrier. Um, That will be the safest way. And that's also probably the best way to really reap the benefit. You know, an essential oil is highly volatile, right? It evaporates really quickly. So if we were to put it neat on the surface of our skin, the chances of those molecules to really absorb deeper into our skin and affect change is very slim because, Within seconds, it's going to mostly evaporate. So it's great for dealing with maybe surface issues, but if you really want it to penetrate, you're going to need to put it in a carrier. And then just to be safe, on the safer side.
0: So, um, is there, let's talk a little bit about, um, acupuncture points and, um, that sort of thing. Is there particular places on your body that's more beneficial, um, say the bottom of your feet to use particular oils to affect a, a more rapid change and bring that balance?
1: Oh, hundred percent. Um, uh, when I first started using essential oils about 25 years ago, I was actually a shiatsu, a practitioner, which actually is, uh, kind of. Uh, it's an Asian form of bodywork that accesses the same pressure points that acupunctures do. And I found that um, massaging a blend of essential oils mixed in a carrier on different acupressure points was hugely beneficial, right? It was like this powerhouse energetic access point that I thought was really great. Um, but there are places on our bodies that are more accessible. Um, I think Uh, Essential oils, um, because they are chemically uh, categorized as lipophilic, meaning they love oil, but they hate water, Um, wherever we have the most hair, like on our scalp or our arms or our legs, wherever we're the hairiest, um, essential oils, if they're in a carrier oil, will absorb super fast into our body. Um, And then on the soles of our feet and the palms of our hands is where we have the most sweat glands. And those little teeny tiny openings, right, also can be an access point for the essential oils.
0: So if um, we're working, okay, so essential oils, like we said, can work on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. How about um, working with, you know, as we're trying to evolve, we need to remove blockages so that we work more efficiently on all levels. And in our society, one of the major blockages is emotional. How Mm -hmm. can essential oils help with emotional blockages?
1: Well, Our emotions are all part of what's called our emotional brain, right? They all start in what's called our limbic mind. And our limbic system is in the center of our brain. So if you know our brain has those two hemispheres, if you were to crack it open like a walnut, Inside, in the center, is a little part which fits in the palm of your hand called our limbic system. And that limbic system is made up of a few really fascinating organs, one of which is called the amygdala, and there's another part, the hypothalamus, and the hippocampus. This is where all of our emotions and our emotional responses to external stimuli happen and occur. So that is why when we smell something, it triggers an emotional experience and an emotional memory right away. So just as you were saying, if we have a painful memory or we have a traumatic kind of response to something, right? we can actually, and there's been some amazing studies in using aromatherapy and psychotherapy practice, et cetera, of using essential oils to help us connect with those deeply buried emotional places that need to be released or rebalanced um, so we can live our fullest, right? And um, there's been some really interesting work using essential oils to kind of help us connect with that.
0: I understand um, that essential oils are one of the few things that cross the blood-brain barrier. Is that what gives them the capacity to do what you just described?
1: Um, Actually, it's more of an electrical and neurological response that causes what I'm talking about. So what they call um, the olfactory experience is actually considered a chemical sense, meaning that the way that that sensory experiences communicated in our brain is completely through like an electrical neurological reaction. It isn't going through any kind of blood connection. Now there is a way that it does move through that Blood-brain barrier. And in that way, it's going to affect our physiology. But if we're talking about emotions and we're talking about stress response and we're talking about how we react to our external world, right, from this emotional reactive place, that is all a chemical response that happens through you know, literally the aromatic molecule whizzes by our olfactory nerve endings in the back of our nose and triggers like, like a switchboard, <laughs> like an electrical action that happens then in our brain. And we know whether to respond angry or happy or scared or pleasant or whatever that might be.
0: So if you're working with um, emotional release or accessing memories with essential oils, can you also kind of have in your toolkit things that ease that process?
1: Yes. Oils
0: that ease that process.
1: Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So, you know, I think when you're working in this way, it's really important, I think, to work with a practitioner, like a skilled practitioner, because a lot of stuff might come up and you going to want to talk about it or release it or be present with someone. Um, And they can definitely guide you in which oils might be better and might be more grounding, etc. So number one, I would definitely work with a certified aromatherapist for this, or a therapist of some sort, psychotherapist who has experience in using essential oils. But I think that there's a couple of things going on, right? That whoever you're working with and whatever you're choosing, you want some oils, right? That are going to burrow and deep and connect you with that, which you need to release. And then you need oils to help you actually let go and relax and heal from that. So there's probably going to be a couple of different blends, a couple of different oils, a couple of different times that you use it, and probably a whole protocol that would be set up for that person.
0: So it sounds like the person could then go home armed with oils that'll help them continue the process. 100%.
1: -hmm. Um,
0: This being mission evolution, um, and we always ask, Amy, what is your mission?
1: My mission is to actually share the power of essential oils and our sense of smell. Um, I think our sense of smell is really the key to um, living our fullest, most healthiest life, not only being more connected to our own well-being, but also helps us become more compassionate and kinder human beings. So I'm all about teaching people how to refine their sense of smell, and how to connect to the aromas around us.
0: When um, We discussed that all essential oils are not created equal. How do you find the ones that are, are quality that you need to work with versus ones that have not been handled well?
1: Yes. So I think there's a few things like a quick little checklist that you should look for if you're buying essential oils. Number one, always make sure that on the bottle, the plant's botanical name, which is a Latin binomial is listed clearly. And what I mean by that, you'll see something like lavender oil. And then in parentheses, it should say lavendula angustifolia, or if it's, um, ginger oil, it would say Zingapurus officinalis, right? It will have the Latin name stated. Now, the reason why that's important is that you want to know that what's in the bottle is not what the retailer saying is lavender oil, but actually it comes right from the plant. Okay. That it's actually coming directly from the plant. It's not like lavender oil, which is the retailer's interpretation of what they think lavender would be, right? You want to know that it's actually authentic. So that's number one. Number two, you want to make sure either on the label or in the literature about the product that it tells you how this essential oil was extracted through what method and all essential oils should be extracted through the process of steam distillation, except for citrus peel oils, which are cold expressed squeezed out of the peel of the fruit, but all other essential oils are always going to be steam distilled. So that's number two. Number three, it should tell you where in the world this plant grows. Is it a lavender from the UK or from France or from Kashmir? Where is this plant from? Because different lavenders have different aromatic profiles depending on where they grow on the earth. And then number four, I think it's always a good idea to make sure that that plant is somehow certified by a third party agency, either as EcoCert or GMO free or organic or something like that. Because I just think it's a good idea to have a third party certification that kind of gives you uh, the extra assurance that that plant has been grown ethically and without pesticides or synthetics that could potentially like alter some of the energetic properties. So those would be kind of my big things. And then also make sure you look on the label because a lot of suppliers will dilute down the essential oils in a carrier. And you'll see in small print on the label, it would say something like, rose oil in 10%, you know, fractionated coconut oil or.
0: Well, unfortunately it's just flown. Time has just flown for us, but (laughs) we are out of it. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, it was such a pleasure, Guilda. Invite me anytime. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Thank you. Our guest this hour has been Amy Galper author of The Ultimate Guide to Aromatherapy, co-author of Plant-Powered Beauty, and founder of the New York Institute of Aromatherapy. Her website, where you can find out about all the above, is amygalper.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to enjoy past archived episodes, visit missionevolution.org. Please be sure to join us right here next time as this mission continues, bringing information resources, and support to our rapidly evolving world.